this is where I would normally say good morning at 11 a.m. or 9 a.m., but uh, praise the Lord. Happy Easter. I'm, I'm going to, uh, I had one person here holler back at me, but I'm going to assume they're at, the, uh, at your home you're hollering back. Happy Easter, PK. Happy Easter. Bob, thank you, buddy. Uh, before we get going, I, I want to say thank you, man. Uh, one, I want to thank you for joining us in line uh, or online. Uh, and I want to also take time to thank our staff and leadership that has been faithful throughout this entire process. And uh, one of our, we, we've got media, sound people that have been here faithfully every week. Um, and thank you, guys. Thank you, man. It felt good having the band full team today. Thank you, guys. Um, and and uh, we had originally... We were, this should be like, I, I've described it before like this. Easter is the Sunday bowl, or the uh, Super Bowl for churches. It's like our big day. And, uh, you know, and a lot of people, what, what are we going to do? Because we originally, man, we had last weekend was supposed to be centuries, which would build us up for this big day. And we had originally uh, titled our theme for that day was uh, Living Proof. And, man, we had it mapped out. Me and Bob had a lot of it mapped out. It's going to open up with a rap, testimony video. Man, the, the team was going to blow it out. We had a lot of stuff planned. And then this hit. And postponed centuries. And uh, did not postpone Easter, though. Did not cancel out Easter. Uh, we, we had a meeting via Zoom with our team and I began to ask for them for ideas. Hey, ideas concerning Easter. Uh, we got we got to go a different route, guys. What are we going to do? Candace, our creative director, uh, shout out to Candace back home. Uh, uh, she she sent me a message said, Hey, what about empty at Easter? And so I thought, I, I don't have any ideas. Let's run with it. And so today's message is ca called Empty at Easter with a subtitle. And you got to say it with an attitude, what the, what the, come on. Because that's kind of left us feeling like, what is going on? Well, what is happening? And, and you know, so, so that is there. We're, we're in a, a season, a time in our nation's history none of us have ever experienced before. Uh, and, and we want, it makes you want to go, what the, you, you fill in the blank, what the heck? What the double, H-E double hockey sticks, uh, what, you know, just, but it makes you want to go there. We're seeing a lot of things happen in our country that we never thought we'd see before. Amen? Uh, uh, no one ever thought that a respiratory disease would cause us to have a toilet paper crisis. If respiratory disease is causing you to have a toilet paper crisis, you've got more problems than a respiratory disease. And if you need 300 rolls of toilet paper to, to survive a two or three week quarantine, you should have been through the doctor a long time ago. Um, not, no one ever thought that. No, no one ever thought that we would be relieved if we were in a bank and two people walked in with masks on. We would be relieved to find out, oh, they're just robbing the place. Come on now. No one ever thought we'd see, especially in the South, people complain that they can't go walking in the park. 
because nobody walks around here. Come on, let's be honest. No one walks. Uh, true story, I was heading home the other day, and uh, the police were arresting a guy. Uh, he was on his lawnmower uh, drunk, driving down 304. So only in 10 miles. Uh, but you don't walk. No one ever thought we'd see baseball, basketball, uh, our sporting events shut, UFC shut down and stadiums empty. No one ever thought we'd see businesses shut down and empty because of a global pandemic. No one ever thought we'd see movie th theaters empty because we can't go or restaurants empty. And, and no one ever thought they'd see the day where hardware stores, grocery stores, liquor stores were considered essential, but the church was considered non-essential. No one ever thought that churches would be empty on Easter. And it's in times like these that uh, we look for answers. And when answers can't be found, honestly, we just start grasping at anything to fill the void, to fill, up, fill, fill it up. And, and, and a lot of us have different fixes. Uh, I mean, your fix is not mine. Some, that what they turn to is food. I would love to own stock in Little Debbie right now or junk food, period. Uh, but but and it's not like we're hungry. We just eat because... Well, there's nothing else to do. I might as well eat. Uh, some turn to Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, uh, you name it. There are others, their fix is information, be it good or bad. They're just looking. What, what, what are they saying about COVID-19? What are they saying about? And, and we fill our minds with, with that. Uh, others are uh, solitude. They close themselves off from anything and anyone. Um, heard one report that talked about that after this was going to be a big baby boom that's going to happen nine months from now. I guess they'll be known as coronials. And then in 13 years, we'll call them quarantines. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> it's a weird time. It's a weird time in history for all of us. You have to laugh. I was reminded of this story of this children's church teacher was te teaching this group of five and six years old about the resurrection of Jesus. And she said, what do y'all think the first words were that Jesus said when he rose from the dead and came out of the tomb? Well, little Johnny's over here. Oh, me, 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 teacher, me, 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 me. So she, you know, I, I was that person that the teacher would look at everybody else before she would come to me because she had no clue what was going to come out of my mouth. But finally, nobody else. So she said, okay, Johnny, what do you think were the first words that came out of Jesus' mouth when he came out of the tomb? He said, ta-da! <laughs> and here's the thing. I think during this moment, we're all looking for a ta-da moment. Ta-da, the pandemic's over. Ta-da, the economy is fixed. To die, my marriage is better. To die, I don't crave drugs anymore. To die, I'm saved and I never want to sin again. Oh, how I wish that were true. To die, I'm not broken anymore. The thing is, we're all looking and wanting, and I hear people go, the normal, the normal, you, the, you can't, you know, go back to normal, normal, and I know, well, this is the new normal. Here, one of my favorite things is the uh, movies of all times, a movie called Tombstone. And there's a line that I remember even to this day uh, where Doc Holliday is laying in bed sick, about to die, and White Earp, his best friend, comes and visits him. And, and, and uh, Doc asks White, he says, 
Why? What do you want out of it? What, what do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to live a normal life. And Doc looks up at him and says, Wyatt, there is no normal life. There's just life. I get to live in it. See, there is no normal life. It, whether it's pandemic or not, there is, there is just life, period. And life, get, whether we like it or not, life hits us at times with pandemics. Life hits us at times with crisis. Life hits us sometimes with cancer. Life hits us sometimes with a, a loss of a job. Life hits. There is no normal life. There's just life. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Um, said this last week, and I, I believe it more than ever, how we as a church how we as individuals, how we respond during this time, what we do during this time, we will be remembered for. We will be. There, there's a lot of craziness going on right now. People are losing their minds. Come on. People are pointing fingers. People are blaming others. Some think it's being blown all out of proportion. Some people think, oh, no, we're not being careful enough. And, and I, honestly, I'm somewhere in the middle of this. I, I do think we need to take precautions. But I'm also that person that isn't about to, uh, to let the fear of what might happen to me keep me locked up. You know what I mean? I, I, I've said this before. And uh, and I know everybody's not like me, and God's had to deal with me about that. But I'm like, listen, if I get it, God can heal me. And, and I, I'm convinced when it's my time to go, I'm going to go. Whether it's skydiving, whether it's riding my motorcycle, whether it's whatever. And, and I realize, uh, and me and Denise are completely opposite. You go to Walmart with Denise, she's going to have a mask on and the gloves. Me, you come up and hug me, I'm going to hug you back. I, that's, I just don't live that way. Uh, but I realize uh, that just because someone feels differently than I do doesn't make them fearful or crazy. In fact, I had to call a couple of our leaders this past week because during one of our Zoom meetings, I was really making light of their concern over what was going on right now. And, and, and uh, I had to realize, hey, their world is much different from mine. My kids are grown, and even if Denise knows this, even if they weren't grown, I would still be taking them out. But that's me. But I had a concern. They've got small kids. This is new for them. They're, they're young. And, and so I had to realize just because their opinion, their view is different from mine doesn't make them crazy. It just makes them wrong. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I am joking. But I did. I called and I said, because God dealt with me said, Hey, uh, you know, I want to apologize, especially giving you a hard time in front of other leaders because I don't want to make light of something you take serious. But here's the thing. I think it's hard for all of us to see through anybody else's eyes but our own. We, we know how we see it. We know how we feel about it. And it's hard for us to imagine anybody would feel any other way about it. Ain't that right, Sheridan Grace? Why? Because if we're really honest with ourselves, the storybook that we're in, that we're living in, we are the main character in it. The world revolves around us. 
I, it's my story. The world revolves around me and, and my opinions, my political viewpoints, uh, my political association. How I, and if you think, if you have a different opinion than mine, you're just stupid or intolerant. That's the way we feel. Because in this story, I'm the main character. In his book, Blue Like Jazz, Donald Miller writes this. He said, my life felt like it was a story about me because I was in every scene. In fact, I was the only one in every scene. I was everywhere I went. If somebody walked into my scene, it would just frustrate me because they were disrupting the general theme of the play, namely my comfort and my glory. Other people were flat characters in my movie. Sometimes I would have scenes with them, and they would speak their lines. But the movie, the grand movie stretching from Adam to the Antichrist, was all about me. He says this, I wouldn't have told you that, but that's the way I live my life. And if we're brutally honest with ourselves, what Don, Donald Miller just described was the way most of us live our lives. It's all about me. It's all about me. Today on this Easter Sunday, I want to challenge you. When it comes to how you're going to approach life during this pandemic or after, I want to challenge you. There's only two choices, really. One is continue to do life with you as the main character in your story, where the world revolves around you, or two, surrender and become a supporting player in his story, in his story. A story that God is writing. I, I want to invite you to leave your story behind to become part of his story so that we can make history when this is over. In the first century, and yes, I am going to read scripture in case you're at home wondering, is this guy ever going to read the Bible? Yes, I am. Uh, in the first century, logos was a Greek philo philosophical term that meant this. Uh, let me pull this up here. Here's what it meant. The reason for life, logos, the reason for life. They believed that if they could just understand, philosophers thought, if we could just understand the logos, the reason for life, the meaning, the purpose of life, it would change everything. It would add value to my existence. It would give me a reason to live. And these philosophers in that time, they would spend all their time and energy trying to discover the logos the reason for life. So by the time Jesus comes on the scene, these philosophers had failed so many times, so many attempts to discover the reason that they were frustrated and they just began to live like this. There is no real meaning for life. There is no real in, in fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes describes exactly how they felt. He says this. He says, there's something that happens all the time and makes no sense at all. And I'm reading from the message. Good people gets what's coming to the wicked. Bad people get what's coming to the good. Anybody ever felt that way? I tell you, this makes no sense. It's smoke. Then he says this. So I'm all just for going ahead, having a good time, the best possible. The only earthly good men and women can look forward to is to eat and drink well and have a good time. You may have heard it, but eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And so the philosophers have got to this place. There's really no real meaning to life, so I must, might as well just 
enjoy it, whatever's here. Eat, drink, party, live my life the way I, way I want to. And this is what the philosophers of the day had come to the conclusion that this is, there was real no meaning to life. Then Jesus steps on the scene. If you want to follow from home in Scripture, I'm going to be in John chapter 1. And if you picked up a bulletin yesterday when you came by, it'll be in there. But John's writing this. John knows his audience. He knows who he's writing to. He knows that the philosophy that's going around is that there is no logos. There is no meaning, no purpose, no reason for life. And so John is getting ready to hit this head on. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We are going to stay centered around those five verses, but I want to go back to verse 1. And at, loud, at home, read it aloud. Guy, those, my leadership staff, read this aloud with me. You ready? In the beginning was the, and the, was with God, and the, was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Anybody want to guess what the Greek word for word is here? Logos. In other words. In the beginning was the reason for life. And the reason for life was with God. And the reason for life was God. Before John even shares one word about Jesus, he looked at these people that have been led to believe this philosophy. There's no reason to life. And he says, no, there is a purpose. There is a reason for your life. It isn't found in some theory, some philosophical concept. It's not found in your social standing. It's not found in your ethnicity. It's not found in your background. The logos, the reason, the purpose for life is found in one person. And that one person will meet you right where you are. Someone that when his story becomes your story, it brings meaning and purpose to your life. So on this Easter Sunday, I want to give you four facts about Jesus. To clear some things up about Jesus. We're going to go quick. Well, the first one will be my longest, but I promise point two, three, and four will go quick. First one you need to know about Jesus is this. Jesus is forever. I'm going to give you time to write that down. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Jesus is forever, meaning he existed before time and space. John starts this off by saying, in the beginning, in the beginning was the word, was the logos. Uh, uh, it, this gets echoed throughout the New Testament over and over and over again. Jude, Jude says it like this. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Jesus is forever. Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. Then you go over to Revelation and John. 
writes this. You have the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. Somewhere in his 90s, he sits down. He has this encounter with Jesus, and this is how Jesus describes himself. Revelations 1.8. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Translated, I am forever. I am forever. Then check out verses 17 and 18 of chapter 1. When I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hell. I'm forever. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is forever. That's who we're celebrating this Easter. Whether we gather all together inside a building or we do it online, that does not stop the fact we're celebrating Jesus who has risen. He's alive. This week, I posted on our sign for people. We get about 6,000 vehicles that drive, or people that drive by here every day. And I posted up on our sign, keep calm. Jesus is alive. He's alive. No need to lose our minds. Jesus is forever. In Exodus chapter 3, uh, back in the Old Testament, when Moses is speaking to God, and, and he said, if I go to the people, God, in Israel, and tell them the God of your ancestors sent me, uh, they're going to want to know your name. Who do I tell them sent me? And here's how God responded. God said, tell them, I am who I am. This is what you're going to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am who I am. You need to understand, guys, that was more than just a name. It was a description that pointed to all God is in himself. I am who, the ESV, which I, I love the ESV Bible, it, uh, the ESV study Bible says that when God said, I am who I am, God was revealing uh, at least four things about himself. One of the things God was revealing was this. I am a God. I am the God who is self-existent. In other words, I'm not dependent upon anyone or anything for my existence. The second thing it said it was revealing. I am the God who is the creator and sustainer of everything that exists. The third thing it revealed. I am the God who is unchangeable. The fourth thing, I love this one. It says it revealed, I am the God who is eternal in my existence. I don't have a birth date, and I certainly don't have an expiration date. I am who I am. That's great, PK, but what is, why is that important to me? Well, it's important because in John 5, 8, 558, Jesus is talking with some of the religious authorities and leaders, and he's telling them that their patriarch, Adam, a guy they respected highly, he said to them, hey, your patriarch Abraham, he would have rejoiced about what's going on today. He would have been happy about, about seeing me, that Abraham would have loved to experience what they're getting experienced. And these religious leaders get all uptight, and they're like, how would you possibly know what Abraham would think? Are you old enough to know Abraham? And here's Jesus' response to them. Check out the similarities between what God said to Moses and what Jesus says to them. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Do you know what Jesus was doing in that moment? 
what he was saying to them? Jesus was claiming equality with God himself. He was, the same God who said to Moses, I am, is now speaking to you, I am. Jesus, John opens his letter, and John 1, 1 said, in the beginning was the word, in the beginning. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I think it's funny that John opens up his letter the same way that Moses began the Torah in Genesis 1 and 1. Moses opens up the Torah in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. What's John doing? He's letting them know, the people that he's writing to, that the person he's talking about right now in this letter is the same person that Moses was talking about in Genesis 1 and 1. God spoke and galaxies were formed. God spoke, stars took their place. God spoke, planets began to orbit around the sun. God spoke and waters and land began to fill in with vegetation and creatures. God spoke and man and woman were created. So the first thing you need to understand, Jesus is forever. The second truth, in fact, Jesus is more than just the subject of the story. He's more than just to say that Jesus is the main character of the story doesn't do it justice. He's more than that. See, John opens up saying in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. But then look at verse 2. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things, all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. I, I could sum that up in four words. It's all about Jesus. From Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22, 21, all about Jesus. The Old Testament, New Testament, it's all pointing us toward Jesus. I, I love a, uh, a guy, an author I love, Tim Keller, did a talk back way back in 2007. And he painted a picture of who Jesus is. Uh, I love what he says. Here's what he says uh, about this. He said, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood now that cries out not for our condemnation but for our acquittal. Jesus is the true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar, to go out to a void not knowing wh whether he went to create a new people of God. He said Jesus is the true and better Isaac who was not just offered up by his father on the mount but was truly sacrificed for us all. And he goes through this verse by verse, book of the Bible, and book by the Bible, and he says, Jesus is the true and better Jonah who was cast out of the storm so that we could be brought in. Jesus is the real Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain, so the angel of death would pass over us. And he says, Jesus is the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. What is the Bible saying? See, here's the thing. If, if it's all about us, our story is going to be so small. It's just, if you get in his story, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about and will always be about Jesus. Jesus is more than the subject of the story. He is the creator and the author of it all. Kelly, why is it important that I recognize that Jesus is the creator and author of it all? Because only the creator of something knows the intricate details put into making it.
Only the creator knows what makes it tick. Only the creator knows what's best for what he created. And we recognize that he is creator. We understand he knows us better than we even know ourselves. Third fact, Jesus is the source of all life and all light. Jesus is the source of all life and all light. Go back to verse 4 here in John chapter 1. What said, in him was what? Life. In Jesus was life. In Logos was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He is the source of all life. Nothing or no one else ever will be. Yeah, I find it funny we spend our lives, we spend time, energy, money, uh, looking for something or someone to make us feel alive. Something that gives us a feeling that we matter, that we have purpose. And so many end up with the conclusion that the writer of Ecclesiastes ended up, you know what, there's no real meaning in life. I might as well just party it up because I'm going to die. And we end up trying to fill that void ourselves. And here's the truth. We may experience moments of happiness. We may experience moments of peace. But then those are only fleeting. And they don't last. And when it's all said and done, we're just like the stadiums, the theaters, and the churches this Easter. Empty. Empty. Bob, if you want to come on up, you can just hang with me. For years and years, they spent a lot of time, money, energy, uh, looking for life on other planets. I mean, still, still they're spending time. There's been a little evidence of life on Mars, but no hard evidence. But here's what I'm trying to say. If there's no life on Mars, if there's no life on, any, on, on the other planets, Here's what I know. It doesn't matter how much money you spend, how much energy, how much effort, how much time you put in it. If it's not there, you're not going to find it. And it's the same with our lives. We can look for something to fill the void, the emptiness in us. And we can look in every place we can spend money, we can look for it. We can spend the energy and the time and effort. But here's the truth. It's not there. And you will never find it. Real life is only found in one person, Jesus. He is the source of all life. He is the only one that can feel the emptiness. Jesus came to lift us out of these small stories that we're finding ourselves living in. He gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be set free, get this, from us. From us. Because we are our bigger, biggest enemy. Because instead of surrendering to his story, we want it to all be about us. And in doing so, we become prisoners to ourselves. Jesus came to give us logos, reason for life, purpose for life, meaning for life. I'm 
fourth and final fact about Jesus is this. Jesus never changes. We read it a while ago. He is the same today, tomorrow, forever. And while a lot of things have changed over the past few weeks, there is one thing that hasn't changed. One thing that will never change. God still loves. Jesus still accepts people right where they are. Jesus, God's grace still flows freely. God still rescues. God still sets addicts free. God still restores the broken. God still heals. God still saves. God still fills the empty places with life and meaning and purpose. That has never changed. Here's the truth. Because I know in the South, I even saw my brother put it down, put, put something in my, my a younger brother than me, and he, he talked about, I know I don't go a lot to church, but man, it's Easter. It makes me want to be there. He, here's what I know. Well, in the South, we may not go to church any other time, but Easter and Christmas, by golly, we're going to be there. You can come and sit this Easter in a full church and still be empty inside. You can come and sit in a full building and with life swirling all around you and sit there and be dead inside. Because you adopted the writer of Ecclesiastes, there is no purpose in life. Might as well drink, eat, be merry. I'm going to die anyway. I'm telling you, God sent his son not to just die, but be resurrected so that we can know life and have it more abundantly. If you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, let Easter 2020, the online experience, church outside the box, whatever you want to call it, be the day that you say, God, I'm tired of being the centerpiece of my story. I want to accept your invitation to become in your story. Maybe you don't know Jesus, man. Maybe you don't. Or, or maybe you grew up in the South. Maybe you got burned out on church. Maybe you got burned out on what people told you church was. I'm here to tell you, Jesus wants a relationship with you. And he wants to give your life logos, meaning, purpose, and reason. So if today you want to you, you change the storyline, today's a perfect day. I'm going to pray a short prayer. I'm going to ask our guys here to repeat it. Repeat this after me. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. Thank you for allowing him to take my place, take my pain, take my stripes for sin that he didn't commit so that I 
can know forgiveness. Today, I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins, past, present, future. And today, I join your story. You be the Lord. I surrender all. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you prayed that, we would love, love, love to hear from you. And just shoot a message to our Facebook and we'll reach out to you. But maybe you're maybe